Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. But Daniel is reading God's word. You see that here, that Daniel is looking to the book of Jeremiah, and he comes across some words that are very concerning to him. Jeremiah 29.10 says this, For thus says the Lord, When seventy years are complete for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promises and bring you back to this place. Jeremiah 25, 11 through 13 says this as well about the 70 years. This whole land shall become a ruin and a waste and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And then after 70 years are complete, I will punish the king of Babylon and the nation and the land of the Chaldeans for their iniquity declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. Verse 13, I will bring upon that land all the words that I've uttered against it, everything written in this book which Jeremiah prophesied against all the nations. Daniel is reading Jeremiah. And Daniel has this thought. 70 years. This is quite interesting. So Daniel does a little bit of calculations. And this realization hits Daniel. 70 years is almost up. You see that, Daniel 9.2. For the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the book the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So Daniel is reading God's word and he discovers 70 years and he does some calculations and he realizes That's coming up here very quickly. We don't exactly know how far off, but scholars roughly believe it was roughly five years until this desolation was going to be coming upon the Babylonians. And guess what? They're part of that. The Babylonians are ruling over them. And Daniel figures this out. And Daniel says, what should I do? And we see it in verse 3. Daniel 9.3, he says, Then I turned my face to the Lord, to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. This wasn't a small thing. Daniel realizes it. It's like this light bulb went off. The 70 years is almost up. What does he do? He says that he turned To the Lord, seeking the Lord in prayer with pleas of mercy along with fasting. Meaning he was not eating and enjoying food. He was setting that aside for for him to be seeking the Lord. And then you get these last two words, in sackcloth and ashes. And maybe you might have read those and skipped right over and thought, oh, that doesn't really mean too much there. But it's actually very fascinating here what is happening here. If you do not know what a sackcloth is, uh, sackcloth was made from goat or camel's hair. It was extremely coarse and extremely uncomfortable. And most likely he was wearing it as a loincloth. I'll let you get that visual real quick. 
This is what Daniel was wearing before the Lord. He's praying. He's fasting. He has sackcloth upon him, which is not comfortable. And then we get to this idea of ashes, that he's sitting there in ashes. And the practice of putting ashes or dirt upon oneself was, was simply representing typically a sign of mourning and humility before the Lord. So here is Daniel seeking the Lord. He is praying, but he's denying himself of food. He's wearing a loincloth, so it's not comfortable at all, and he's sitting in ashes. He has taken away all of his own physical luxuries, and he's crying out to the Lord. He's read the Word of God. He's put some dots together, and he realizes what is about to come upon God's people. So he prays. And his opening prayer is this, verses 4. Verse 4, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confessions, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commands. Leave this verse up there. He comes before the Lord. He recognizes how great the Lord is, that this Lord keeps his covenant and his steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. This is who the Lord is and what he expects from him. And then in verse 5, he says this. He says, We have sinned and done wrong, acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, to all the people of the land. What I enjoy about Daniel's prayer here is Daniel's praying for the nation, for God's people. But notice how, how Daniel doesn't say they. Notice how Daniel doesn't point out, well, these are their sins. These are their problems. Daniel was a righteous man. Daniel walked with the Lord. But when Daniel prays here, when he's praying on behalf of God's people, he's saying, we have sinned. We have done wrong. We acted wickedly. We turned aside from your commandments. We have not listened to your people, to your prophets, to your kings, to your princes. We have rebelled. Daniel's crying out on behalf of God's people because Daniel knows what is about to be coming to them and upon this nation, and upon this time. But Daniel also knows that he's guilty along with him. Daniel does not pull himself out, but the culture that he is living in, he identifies himself with it because he knows that he was probably part of the problem here as well. That God's people, they have rebelled. They have not listened. They chose not to come under the authority of the king. But Daniel knows how great the Lord is. But he knows that how much shame they have upon him. Look at verse 8. He says, To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. In verse 9, 
To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against Him. To the Lord belongs mercy and forgiveness. In the midst of this prayer, Daniel recognizes who the king is. He knows that the Lord is merciful and has forgiveness. He knows that the Lord is great. And his prayer, Daniel's prayer is that God's mercy would be upon God's people. Lord, Lord, have mercy. This is who you are. You are a God of loving kindness. You are a God who is, who is merciful. You are faithful. Look at verses 19 through 15 here. In his prayer for them, he says this, And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, he is pleading out for the character of who the Lord is. Let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people have become byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O our Lord, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy for your own sake, O Lord. Make your face shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate, Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city that is called by, by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, pay attention. Act delayed not for your own sake. Oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Daniel recognizes who God is in this prayer. He recognizes that the king he is praying to has brought his people out of Egypt. That the Lord listens. But Lord, have mercy. Lord, forgive. And this is Daniel simply crying out on behalf of God's people. Now you might be wondering, what does this have to do with us? Right? We're not living in Babylon. We might be, but that's a whole nother story. That's, that's a whole nother argument. Read Revelations 18, and we can talk more on that. I think I was talking to Mark about that a couple weeks ago. But Daniel looks to God's word. He sees that this destruction is coming. He sees it. And he gets himself in some uncomfortable clothing, some fasting. He's serious about seeking who the Lord is. But here we are. We don't live in that time. We don't have any prophecies that the destruction of Marquette is coming upon us anytime soon. At least not that I know of. Hopefully not. But how does this have anything to do with us? How does this have anything to apply to our own lives today? Well... Daniel, first of all, looked at the Word of God. I want to make that crystal clear. Where does this prayer come from? 
It comes from Daniel first seeking and looking to the word of God. He was reading about the prophet Jeremiah who had, had probably passed away 20 years prior to this. And, and Jeremiah's death was absolutely terrible. They believed that he was hauled off to, to a concentration camp down in Egypt and died there as a martyr. But Daniel's reading God's word and Daniel realizes we have this warning This warning is coming to us. What must I do? He prays. And he's praying for God's people. He's praying on behalf of the nation of Israel and for the city of Jerusalem. And then I think about us, church. We may not be living in those exact times and have a letter written about the city that we live in. But do we have any scriptures warning us about the future? Do we have any scriptures that may be pointing to the future and what is about to to be taking place? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You guys probably know that promise. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Those who do not believe, Jesus says, stand condemned. 2 Peter Chapter 3, 7 through 10. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of, of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some has count count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. That's just a couple of them, and you guys probably know that one. But the reality is, as Daniel saw the warnings, and I don't know if the church today understands the warnings on what is coming to this place. And I'm not trying to give a fire and brimstone sermon today, but eternity is coming. The king will return, he's coming back. This is a fact as you read God's word. He's going to come like the thief in the night. It will be unexpected, but his word and he, he will fulfill it. And those who have not come under the authority of Jesus, those who have not come to repentance and faith in the one and only Son, Scripture teaches us that they stand condemned. It's not good. It won't be a good day for them. See, guys, Jesus came the first time to die for the sins of the world. 
But we sometimes forget, and, and, and we can proclaim that, and that is absolutely true, and that is the gospel message. But the reality is, is that his second coming is not a lamb to be slain. His second coming is not to come and die for the sins of the world. His second coming is to bring judgment upon this earth. This is, this is his second coming. These are the warnings that we have. Revelations 21.8, he says, he says this, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexual immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and liars, their portions will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Like what I said, this is not a scare tactic. But as I look at Daniel, he looked to God's word and he realized Lord, this is coming. This is really not good. And he took it very seriously. He gets on his knees. He's fasting. He is praying. He's saying, Lord, have mercy upon your people. Lord, I'm praying for your people. And I think about us, church. And I think, do we realize how important these times are that we are living in? That the king will return. And I get it. We don't, we don't see it, right? It's like we're just living lives. I'm just trying to go to school. I'm just trying to pay my bills. I'm just trying to just do my thing here on this side of heaven. And, you know, I love Jesus. But, but are we seriously concerned for those who do not know Christ? Are we seriously concerned for those who have not come to faith in Jesus? our classmates, our co-workers, our family members. Because Daniel's example is Daniel's very serious about this. I mean, if we could just picture this man sitting there in ashes. I mean, he's, he's just so, Lord, we need you. Father, I, I don't want anything of luxury on this side of heaven, but I'm crying out on behalf of your people. And here we are, church. I think about us. And I think about our prayers. Yes, we come with, with thanksgiving. Yes, we come confessing. But how often do we pray for others in our lives? How often are we as serious about praying for others as what Daniel was? He gives us this great example. He's like, Lord, we need you. Lord, have mercy upon us. And I just think about the nation that we live in. Sure, this isn't Babylon and this isn't God's word written to America and destruction is you know, right upon us in the next five years. But there's so many warnings to us that Christ is coming the king will return, and it won't be good for those who are outside of Christ. We have warning after warning within the New Testament, and I just think, are we really serious about this warning? Do we really get on our knees and we pray for those around us? Do we care so much and do we trust his word so much that, Lord, this word is true? Lord, I believe it. I trust it. I believe this more than anything else. And then we pray for others. 
This isn't just a little prayer before you go to sleep at night. This isn't the type of praying God's Word is talking about here. It's us utterly before our King crying out on behalf of those around us. And I just, I've, I've been really broken by Daniel's life this week, church family. Because I just don't know if we take it serious. We talk about prayer, you know. I hear a lot of people, well, I'm struggling in prayer. Well, this is something that you could be praying for. We could be praying, Lord, have mercy upon these people. Lord, Lord, have mercy upon me. Lord, forgive us. Lord, heal us. Lord, Lord, help us. Lord, bring salvation to these people around me. Praying for them. Constantly. Thinking of them. We come, we confess our sins on behalf. That's actually a powerful prayer within itself, is when God's people confess the sins of their own nation. You may not know this, but America has some sins. Did you guys know that? I, I wasn't sure if you're, if you're caught up to speed on the sins that our country produces. I, I know America has been extremely blessed, and we do live in a wonderful place, but we also live in an extremely sinful place. We're the world's number one producer in pornography. We have sex trafficking everywhere. We may not see it. We don't have people on corners. This isn't looks like Vegas. It's easy to point fingers there. But this is taking place all around us. Do you think we have a drug problem? Maybe. I don't know. You know, we, we're only recording 50, 60, 70, 80,000 deaths a year because of drug overdose. We have a culture that is so in love with, with, with simply being entertained that most people can't even spend 10 minutes without staring at a device looking for something to keep them distracted. This is the world we live in, church. They're outside of Christ. I'm not saying this for us to be walking around living and condemning. I'm saying this because God's people, we have this calling upon us to be men and women who seek our King and pray on their behalf. Praying for others. Lord, do a work. Lord, open up doors. May your gospel message, the only message that can save a soul, may this message be heard. May it go forth. Lord, give them ears to hear. Lord, help me each and every day to be a witness in this place. Church family, the calling is, is upon us to pray, to be very serious about this. I've got a challenge for us this week. And this is a small challenge. I was thinking through and I thought, you know what, Lord, have mercy upon us here. I'm going to ask you guys in your households to take a night off this week from entertainment. Turn off the television. Turn off the devices. And for you within your, your household to get on your knees and to pray for the people around us. Lord, do a work. I'm telling you, church, God works through prayer. He does. He listens to his people. 
And if we're really not that serious about it, I sometimes think, well, maybe God's really not that serious about, about our prayers. If our prayer is just a little, well, you know, Lord, bless this day and help us. Amen. Let's just be moving on. Okay. He hears you. He still loves you. He still has grace. But I'm going to challenge you guys this week and myself. Take a night off. Make a list of people around us who need Christ. Spend time praying, repenting on behalf of the sins that are within our nations, that are within our borders. And saying, Lord, Lord, have mercy. Read Daniel's word. He spells it out so clearly. Lord, we have sinned. Lord, we fall short. Lord, we have not listened. Lord, but Lord, you are faithful. Your loving kindness endures from generation to generation. Lord, 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 have mercy upon us. And I challenge us this week, church family, spend time before your king. Confess the sins of our nation and cry out for the people around us and say, Lord, do a work. And then watch him work. Watch him work. He will. He's not a God who is far off from us. He's not a God who is distant from his people. He's close. He can be found. And he's listening to the prayers of his saints. I'm going to ask for you to stand and I'm going to invite the worship team back up. I'm going to ask them to, to repeat a song. I've not talked to them, but the song Indescribable, I think, is an amazing song to finish on because we can declare on how great our God is. But church family, let me pray for us this morning. Father, we come to you, Lord. Father, I come to you, Lord, with pleas of mercy. For your grace to be upon your people. Father, we need you. Father, I, I need you to, to do a work in my heart and in my life. Lord, give us, give us the spirit of brokenness for the people around us. Not for us to be judgmental, but for us to be praying for you to do a work for us to be coming to you and praying for those around us. Father, let us, let, us, let us put off this entertainment culture that we live in and let us seek you. Father, we come to you. Father, I thank you that you are gracious with us. Father, help us. Help us to cry out to you this week. Lord, I praise you and I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen.